spoilers ahead. Hi, I'm Jake. And I'm Callum. And welcome to another episode of 1001 A Film Policy. To tie in with Friday's review of The Thing, we decided to pick our top three practical effects. From prosthetic makeup, miniature scale models, and even squibs, we've chosen our favourite examples of physically produced effects used to bring movies to life. So before we get into it, we were going to discuss... We thought we watch a lot of films that we never actually mention on this podcast, um, Callum more so than myself, but we thought it would be a good idea to just sort of see what films we've watched this week. Have um, you watched many? I'm assuming you have, because you usually do. I've watched a, f- a fair few, all very different films. To be fair, but... you've watched eight since watching The Apartment. I've watched six, so I'm doing all right. There we are. Well, what films have you watched? Well, I'll just tell you my six. Straight after The Apartment, I watched Death Proof, which we discussed in the last one. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, that was mental, that film. And, it is. But I didn't yeah. enjoy it. That got a three and a half from me. Then I watched Drugstore Cowboy the day after. Oh, yeah. Uh, which is because I got a, th- a three-month free trial of Mubi, um, and it was yeah. one of the first ones on there, and I thought, that looks all right, so I watched it. Another three and a half, it was all right. And then me and Chelsea went to the cinema to see No Hard Feelings. Oh, lovely. The new Jennifer Lawrence film. <laughs> uh, Exciting. That, that, again, got three and a half. It's very really adventurous <laughs> with these scores at the so far but that was a good film um surprisingly good i thought it was going to be um trashy but it right. wasn't it was actually quite funny i laughed quite a lot oh there we go um, i do want to watch that one whether it was because i was in the cinema or not whether i would have laughed sat at home on my own watching it i don't know but in the cinema i did laugh and then i watched for the first time spider-man into the spider-verse um because yes. i've put that off because um I'm not too big to admit when I've got I've been wrong, but I, I've always said that I don't really like cartoons, especially if they're aimed more towards of adults. Um, I'm not into that sort of thing. Um, but I watched it and I thought it was absolutely brilliant. Um, I gave it a four and a half. So there you go. I was wrong, and I'll explore more. You have to watch the sequel now. I think it's still in the cinema. Yeah, you probably I will, go see it. I will watch that. And then the last film I watched, which I watched. It wasn't last night, it was the night before. I watched Philadelphia, um, which was good, maybe sad. Gave it a four. What have you what have you been watching? Well, because we were talking about like New York films, um, with the apartment and Spike Lee in particular, I watched one of his films called Clockers the same day I watched The Apartment. Mm. Uh which is good. It was very, very like New Yorky, really. Um, about like gangsters and all that. We've been having a chat that we, we haven't really watched many old films, have we? We want to get mm-hmm. better at that. So I watched Casablanca the day after that, which is a very different film. I was Casablanca, so I want to watch that. It was good. It's just exactly what... I think we probably both know exactly what it's going to be like before watching that one, because it's yeah. so within the world, like the psyche of everyone. Like we all... Like there's so many like lines in it. That you're like, oh, that's from that film. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, like play against Samir's looking at you kid and all that yeah. it's like even more than those two lines you're like oh right that's where that came from um, but is it the, this is the beginning of a beautiful friendship it's, yeah because he says it right at the end yeah then I watched Marie Antoinette which I wasn't a massive yeah. fan of and then I watched a film called Belly which is just I don't know like a 90s film about gangsters and stuff again coming back that... to Marie Antoinette you were yes. watching that simultaneously to me watching Death Proof and you sent me a picture of you watching it, and then within two minutes, they were in uh, on Death Proof. They were in um, a shop, and they were looking at the magazines. And there was two or three with Marie Antoinette on the front cover. Yeah, that was weird. I remember it you sent weird. me that picture. That is very strange. That was really coincidence. coincidental. 
What? Yeah. And it wasn't just one because there were a few other references to other films, but there was about three. So this film must have come out at the same sort of time as that. But very different films. <laughs> yeah, very. Yeah. Um, then I, after the thing, I watched this film called Angel Dust, which is about this woman uh, trying to find this this serial killer, but she thinks it could be her ex husband because he led her into this cave when they were a couple and then ran off and then there was loads of dead bodies in there and she was like jesus was was this him that did all this and she didn't never really found out but yeah it's quite good um and then i watched rewatched forgetting sarah marshall for like the eighth time in my life big fan um and then yesterday i went to the cinema and watched asteroid city the new uh wes anderson film which was really good i do i do need to see that I've never seen a Wes Anderson film in the cinema. I'd like to. I've only seen Isle of Dogs, I think. Yeah, which, another cartoon, is like an animated film that you probably like that one, no? A little bit different when it's animated, when it's like that, because I like Fantastic Mr. Fox. Well, there you I go. Like, Eat your own words. I like Wallace and Gromit and stuff, but they're not cartoons. But no, I have eaten my words, so I'm throwing um, slipper at you. But yeah, that's, that's all I've seen. Fair enough. So we've done all right. We've done yeah. all right. Nice to know. Nice to share. Yeah. We actually perform a magic trick, if you will, um, on stage in front of a camera. So it, it looks totally believable. In other words, there's uh, you know, no way that uh, we haven't fooled the audience because it looks so good. Right then, so top three um, practical effects. We did, we've gone back to asking uh, people on Twitter, pestering them. We don't even put a tweet out anymore asking. We just literally just message them saying, please help us. Um, <laughs> but anyway, we asked an old classic SP film viewers and they have come back with <laughs> The Thing. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> so, there you go. Uh, American Werewolf in London, another film we've done, which is obviously brilliant. And Poltergeist, which was one I never really thought of because um, I've never seen it. So You've never um, seen Poltergeist? Never seen Poltergeist. I think we've had this conversation. You'd mm. like it. I know I would. They've also said um, the animatronics used in Jurassic Park, which is probably cited as the last huge, well... They don't use animatronics like that anymore, do they? That was sort of the last one, they say, don't they, before the generation of CGI? Yeah, I think T-Rex. So. so they use a lot of CGI in that film, but the big scene with the T-Rex attacking the car and stuff, that's all... It's all real, yeah. A big robot, basically. Scary. It'd be even scarier. The thing is, though, did, did they not watch that and go, that was, that was great, let's do that more often? I don't know. They all got sidetracked with all this new... Tech and effects, didn't they? They were like, "Ooh, what's all yeah, this? Look what we can do!" That, that looks great. It does um, look great. And they've also said the chest burst scene in Alien covered that in the, the thing. Um, yeah, episode, which is great. Um, yeah, it is good. Classic. It's a classic that. Uh, so thank you, um, Sophie and Paul. And also, uh, we asked movies on the way. We asked our mate Alan. So he he's gone into depth with a few of them. So I'll just read out what he said. So he said Superman, uh, the nineteen seventy eight one. He said uh, they made use of. The latest in practical miniature and optical effects of the time uh, to convince audiences that as the film's tagline, tagline heralded, you'll believe a man can fly. Um, the film was ultimately <laughs> awarded as a special achievement Academy Award for visual effects. Yeah, you do. I, I have seen that. Um, my dad was a big Superman fan there you go. Um, growing up. So I remember watching the old Superman films. And yeah, you did believe that he could fly. I've never seen a single Superman film for my sins. Not no, one. None of them. None of them. None of them. Do you, Can't do think you? of a single film. I don't know Joey what it looks is. like. Joey, Joey, yeah. Joey, Joey, Joey. 
Uh, who was he again? Which one? We were, I was a Spider-Man house. We watched Spider-Man quite a lot, really. Fair Which, enough. Well, I was mostly Spider-Man. Yeah, you, you can have as many as you want. <laughs> I don't know why I'm... You can stick them yeah. all in one film and they can fight together. That, that will happen one day and that's the day I will stop watching films. Yeah. They've also said American Werewolf in London. Um, like say we've Probably the best of all one. time. It, yeah, definitely. Isn't it, really? We can't talk. Why didn't... Were we even doing top threes then? Yeah, yeah. We did top three trips gone wrong. We could have done top three practical effects for that one. And oh. also, there's another left field one that I didn't think of, which is very clever and I was quite interested by this. Yes. Um, but Alan said, uh, The Wizard of Oz... Um, he said the twister scene. So the crew originally used rubber, but it wasn't flexible enough to make the tornado appear realistic. Um, but so in the end, Gillespie, don't know who that is, used compressed air to spray Fuller's earth, uh, emulating the effect of the tornado. They used oh, a right. model version of Dorothy's house to create the scene. I didn't know that was real. I, I, yeah, that's pretty mad, doesn't it? Yeah, I don't know how they did it really. I thought they just used the real tornado. Yeah. <laughs> just harnessed it. Oh, that's, that's pretty mental, isn't it? Great. Thanks, Alan, for that. Great picks. Yeah. Really good. I never would have thought Wizard was, but yeah, it's really good. There's no place like home. There's no place like home. My number three is another left field one, really. I think all three of mine are, to be honest. It's a fairly new yeah. film but there's a particular sequence I'm thinking of. I'll read this YouTube comment about the scene, and I wanted to see if you can guess which film I'm talking about, okay? This scene feels like when you're lying down on a bouncy castle and everyone is still bouncing. Which I don't know if it does, to be honest, now I'm thinking about it. <laughs> right. Do you know what film? So you're just getting knocked about I don't know, you know when you just feel like you can't get up and you're stuck in, between, in all the sort of bounciness? Between the crevices and um, all that, you're like, I can't get up, I'm stuck forever. Do you not remember when you were a kid about. on a bouncy castle and everyone was back? Yeah, I know that, but I don't know what film I'm it could be. talk about the film Nope. Well, I, yeah, no, sorry. I did know you were talking about Nope, but I didn't, I couldn't think of any practical effects in it. And also, I didn't know what you were talking about. When you said a newer film, and it would be one that you taught, I did know it was oh, going to be why? Nope, didn't but I didn't know what then? practical effects were in it. Scared, are you? So I, just, I, was just, I was just thinking to myself, what is he on well, about? Well, I'll tell you, and I'm going to spoil Nope. Um, but there's a scene known as the digestion scene. So what a lot what happens is a lot of people get sucked up into an alien and then enter its system basically, right. and it's and it's one of the most right. probably terror-inducing claustrophobic things I've ever seen in my life uh, ever. And yeah, he actually Jordan Peele actually built a massive. Well, he didn't, but he sort of thought of the idea to build this huge practical tube thing that they called as the tract. And they like basically pushed people up and down it on like a little metal trolley. So they filmed it like landscape and flipped it portrait. So it looked like they were getting sucked upwards, uh, which I think is very effective. I didn't know it was all practical, right. that, but they're just getting like squeezed through a fleshy belly or whatever it is. <laughs> but yeah, I know what you mean. But I completely forgot. But I about can't that stop scene, thinking so, about it. It's all yeah. I think about whenever I think about Nope and the monkey scene. They're the two things that come to mind straight away. The scene I think of is the all the blood getting oh, poured yeah, that's over the horrible as well. I don't know if that's practical or not. Probably not. But Jordan Peele said this is the scariest location he's ever come up with, and and I agree. It really haunts me that scene. My number three then is the film that I've not, like I say, I've not seen this, but I watched a documentary on this film and how it was made, and I know I need to watch it now because it, it, it just 
how they made it was just ridiculous, yeah. especially for the time. Um, so it was King Kong, the original oh, yeah. 1933 King Kong. So it's one of the earliest examples of practical effects. Um, it was sort of created by a pioneer in stop motion movies. His name was Willis O'Brien. And I just think it's amazing how they made it. And especially it's like pre-war as well, like pre-World War Two as well, isn't it? So it's, yeah. you don't really think about how long it's ago it was mad. that they made it, but they had it. It's nearly 100 years old. Well, it'll be in 10 years. It was 90 years yeah, old, isn't it? Because it's 2023 now. So. Um, so they had at least three King Kong puppets. Two of them were about 18 inches tall, and the other two were 20. Uh, the other one was 24 inches tall. Uh, and they used the second, the third one, sorry, to make it appear even larger when it's in New York City. I could have easily used this film for last week's top three, actually, yeah. the New York City ones. Um, so the puppets had like a, a wire skeleton. And the 18-inch ones had two separate faces, so they had a long face and a short face because of how difficult it was yeah. to make them so alike. Because it's all mostly stop motion, you can see the fur being ruffled, which was accidentally caused by O'Brien repositioning in between takes. But the critics at the time thought it was genius, and they said that you can even see the fur moving yeah, off his, on his body. Obviously, yeah. it's just an error, isn't it? Um, but I think that's pretty cool. Uh, they also had a huge bust of, of King Kong's face and his hands and his legs and stuff so that the actors could be up against it. The documentary also went into like all the layered sets and projections and stuff like that. That all went over my head. Um, yeah, I just thought it was mad. So they didn't, even, they didn't just use stop-motion models. They did stop-motion projections on the screen as well. So like they'd film... I don't know, an actor, say the woman who plays Anne, say she's hiding under a rock or something. Yeah. So they'd film her and then they'd stop motion that projection at the same time as the model so that they synced up together on the oh, same right. screen. I didn't know that. That's pretty cool. It blew my mind that yeah. it's definitely worth a mention. Yeah, especially so, for the time. It's, there you go. It's quite interesting to think about how parts of the world approach that type of thing because Godzilla is just a fellow in a costume walk, like walking around like a, a toy set, really, <laughs> which I find funny, but yeah. they, they went for it that way. But I think the King Kong one, yeah, it is good to look at. It feels more like a, not obviously not a fellow in a costume, doesn't it? It just feels like a beast. Yeah. Well, my number two is um, a film that... Um, I don't know, you've probably never heard of. It's called Ricky O, The Story of Ricky. Um, and it's not about someone from EastEnders or anything like that. Um, it's based on a uh, Japanese sort of series of books, like manga or something. Um, and I think they wanted to be as close to the source material as possible. And having looked at the source material, I think they've, which is really gory um, and just mad, I think they did a good job. So right. I don't think these are the most realistic, like practical effects. They're, they actually look a bit crap sometimes to be honest but they but they just i think they match right. the style of the film because they're so over the top um and it's what makes me really it was just funny the, the way they use them in this it just really matches the uh what they're going for really um there's head there's heads flying off yeah. legs getting ripped apart ha- hand chops that like cut through people's skin and bones and stuff and there's just blood and guts everywhere from start to finish really it's just mental they, they look very cartoony really the way it looks but it's just non-stop all the way through and then one one scene that sticks out is in one of the because it's set in a prison one of the prison wardens becomes like this super bulked up monster thing and eventually gets chucked into to like a meat grinder <laughs> and it's it's quite horrible actually pretty much unrealistic practical effects but i just thought i'd think of one that's just it's the yeah, creativity just, of it like, isn't it just punching through mouths and stuff and all sorts just insane. It's the most insane, yeah, thing I can think of when it comes to practical effects. I didn't really look into how they did anything, to be honest. I just thought that was bad. Uh, Let's talk about that. <laughs> this my next film then is is quite similarly gory, um, and it's Sam Raimi's Wonderful. Evil Dead. 
there's one scene in particular that comes to mind when I can think of when I, when I think of practical effects, um, and it's the melting corpse oh, yeah. sort of scene, and and what they used to make it. So they used porridge, oh, right? Yeah, or oatmeal, should I call it? Cockroaches, coloured goo, and marshmallow strings uh, to create it, and it makes me feel <laughs> sick. Which is which is what makes it so good. Uh, honestly, it, yeah, it's it's vile, but it worked, and it's a, a, a gory horror. So it mission accomplished. There's also the white eyes of the demons, um, which they created with inch thick glass lenses. Uh, that they put in your eye, uh, which could only be used for a maximum of fifteen minutes at a time. Uh, due to, it prevented your eyes from they don't actually breathe, but it oh, prevented the air getting into them. And there was actually an incident where they pulled them out of someone's eyes, um, and their eyelashes came with it. And because of how remote the filming location was, getting like medical assistance and stuff like that was a nightmare. Apparently, there was a lot of injury in this film. Um, because of how low budget it was, and it was it was basically just made by a group of yeah, mates, it was. yeah, really. by Bruce Campbell and Sam Raimi, were just mates, um, weren't they? Really? Yeah, they also decided to add coffee to the fake blood, which I think makes it look ten times better. Uh, it looks, looks much more realistic because there's a lot of films where you see blood. So, for the example, in the thing, do you know where you find blood-stained yeah. clothes around, and it just looks yeah, a bit no, too yeah. red, a bit too light in shade as well. Uh, but then in the Evil Dead, it looks dark and thick, and it looks yeah, much I like, more realistic I like it when it looks more black than red. To be honest, like yeah, in the shine, well, the shining yeah. Yeah, when it comes out, and then that's another practical effect. Really, comes out the elevator. It's a, I think they're it's really impressive because it is just a bunch of like college students, isn't it? Like mates just making it. It's it's not the best visual effects, uh, but it's <laughs> yeah. gross. And it's, yeah, it is, isn't it? And it, and it's gory, and that's what they wanted to do. Yeah, so definitely. yeah, and they do obviously as it goes on, they make the sequels. They do. I think the second one, as I've said, is just a remake of the first one, but with better effects and stuff. So if you ever did watch the second one, just have that in mind. Like you're going to basically be rewatching the first one, but yeah. just they've got a bit more of a budget that time. But yeah, it is. Yeah, it is men- mental how much they because it's quite clever how they did the hand and stuff. Like they thought of ways around of not having the budget, didn't they? Quite a bit with that one. But yeah. Great. Mm-hmm. Yeah. My number one pick is a film that doesn't really get mentioned too much alongside other eighties remakes of like B movie classics like The Thing and the Fly. But I watched it for the first time this year and I really loved it and it's The Blob, the remake of The Blob. <laughs> Weirdly. <laughs> This is from a guy uh, who worked for Fangoria. He said, The blob creature itself was described as a giant inside-out vampire stomach. So the idea was the blob was highly acidic. Um, So just instead of absorbing whatever it touched, the blob's victims would actually dissolve at different speeds, depending on the creature's strength. And they used blob quilts um, that they nicknamed the waterfall that they stretched over the victim's head so they like made these little weird skin like quilts see-through quilts so it you can see people's oh. heads in the blob um so it looked like it was alive and moving across them so it's quite horrible really you can actually witness their suffering as the yeah. blob's moving around like they're like <gasps> can't breathe and stuff it's pretty pretty like you'd think it'd just be a funny film the blob but it is horrific actually when you watch it <laughs> but it's also got like blob tentacles um so there's a lot of similarities with the method the thing uses sometimes uh to, to get to his victim like one guy gets grabbed and pulled down a drain like a kitchen sink drain <laughs> um but there's one scene yeah. that sticks out to me which is where a character enters a phone booth and is trapped inside and then the blob just like sort of engulfs the outside of the uh the booth so you can see all the 
victims' faces, um, like like looking through the oh, telephone like glass. Oh, the ones are stuck yeah, in it. Yeah, and then it like sort of it. slowly seeps through the uh, little gap in the door, and then it just really mentally expands and crushes the person inside inside the phone booth. I don't know how the hell they do it. Like the telephone box, it just like explodes. I'm like, how? Yeah. They... Probably a dummy, obviously, but it looks so realistic. Like it, she just smashes upwards. <laughs> it's mental. I will. I yeah, that sounds interesting. That because the original, yeah. the 1958 one, it just looks like a glacier <laughs> yeah. cherry, just sort of bobbing about. But yeah, I've had a look at pictures of the 80s one, and yeah, it does so, look a bit yeah, more. Yeah, there's some bits where they use a bit of green screen, <laughs> so like the blobs come in like down the road that looks a bit rubbish to be honest but when they use it like the practical effects side of it with all the as i said like the quilt stretching people back and stuff and all that it's really good it's really scary (laughs) surprisingly scary if it had a mind you could reason with it if it had a body you could shoot it if it had a heart you could kill it Now, man is no longer the supreme being on this planet. My number one is maybe one of the most obvious choices, really. Um, and it's the original there Star Wars trilogy. Three and one. Um, I'm being very specific about that. I'm being very specific. Okay. It's the original Before trilogy. Before he, he remade them in the 90s. Before he added all the effects, okay. Yeah, exactly. So if you do want to learn about how Star Wars was made, there is a documentary on Disney Plus called Light and Magic, yeah. And it's about ILM, which is the, the company George Lucas set up to create all his his <laughs> dreams. Um, I'd highly recommend that documentary. I don't know if you've seen it, wow. but I think I'm going to rewatch it. It's the second best documentary after Get Back. Disney Plus are great at stuff like that. Fair play. I'll watch it, definitely. Basically, ILM were tasked with creating the entire universe uh, without the use of um, computer-generated images, really, um, and on a reasonably low budget. They used it all, really. They used miniature figures, stop-motion, makeup effects, camera trickery, full-scale models, matte paintings, literally every trick in the book. Um, and that's why I think the universe seems so real and lived in compared to a lot of the even modern CGI films. I'd say this looks more realistic really yeah. than avatar <laughs> if, you can, if you could really imagine it but i think a lot of it is really so before this film most spacecrafts in films were slow moving so if you think of 2001 yeah. a space odyssey um it takes about 15 minutes for it to move across your screen isn't it but um they wanted to replicate the sort of the dog fight scenes in world war Two. i think his name's don right, john yeah. dykstra rings a bell um, he worked for ILM, yeah. He invented the Dijkstra Flex, uh, which was basically a machine that allowed elaborate camera movements to be intricately planned, um, such as like panning, moving in, tilting. Uh, so the model will be placed um, in like a little pod, and then the camera that's would move cool. around so it. Like the very opening scene of Star um, Wars, is that, is that? Yeah, so that's completely still, but then right. the camera's moving around it. I think one example that they used when they were creative first is they created um, a layout of a town and then this little camera was set to follow a route like a, like a yeah. just a normal car would follow um and then there's a video of it and it just looks like a, it, you, if you didn't know it was a model the whole village you just think it was just someone filming out yeah. their car window oh, fair enough. and it's pretty cool this this dykes reflect i think flex i think it was oh, pretty revolutionary look really. into that. Sounds um, cool. but one of my favorite camera tricks that they used um and i heard as a kid which always stuck with me was with the land speeder, uh, Joe Luke Skywalker's 
little hover car thing. Um, so it's basically on wheels, but they fit mirrors around it, which reflected back at the camera uh, to make it oh, look right. like it's levitating. That. That's pretty mental. Yeah, genius. Simple, easy, um, and obviously all the costumes created for the aliens and the uniforms that the stormtroopers wear. It keeps it a very real aesthetic yeah. sort of going. Um, they even, like I say, use puppets. Yeah, Yoda. For Yoda. They use literally everything. <laughs> I'm not going to say probably the. It's it's the greatest sci-fi film um, in in terms of culturally and probably critically as well and how they make it. It's, it's yeah. definitely up there. I don't think I have anything um, that I can add about Star Wars. <laughs> it's good, isn't it? Yeah. It's good. It's good. When I was writing Star Wars, there were no special effects houses in the world. So how are we going to do the effects? I realized that I was going to have to start a company. We didn't really know what we were doing. We were not movie people. George wanted a bunch of guys who didn't know what was impossible. We were departing from convention. We had to build equipment from scratch. This was a long shot. Do you have any honourable mentions? <laughs> it took me so long, um, so yeah. long to research these because, like I said to you before, that practical effects and stuff is not really my strong suit. So um, looking into it all was, yeah, there was a lot of it went over my head, but. Um, yeah, so I haven't really got any honourable mentions. Yeah. Jaws probably Looks one. Like a Jaws. Um, uh, and Jurassic Park. Yeah, well, yeah. you mentioned puppets and stuff. I might as well mention a nostalgic pick. Labyrinth. Uh, Hoggle of walking course. about. You know, uh, there's a bit where she gets pulled down by loads of hands that was real. That she was actually in a little sort of cavern with big puppet hand things that were quite scary. Just all sorts in that. The the bit with the where the... Jareth, Jareth is like using the little metal balls. Remember that bit? That's actually a person doing that. That's not CGI. Oh, yeah. There's a film called Society that um, is kind of a normal 80s film all the way through. I don't know if I want to ruin it, if you're ever going to watch it. Spoilers for Society, um, if anyone ever wants to watch it. But at the very end of the film, it just turns into this mental thing where all these people have been sort of melded together in this weird creature. And it's what the hell? horrific. It just takes such such a turn. <laughs> just, it's mad. Um, but obviously, you know, we've mentioned American Werewolf in London and all that. Don't need to go into more. Another one, another one that's sort of... Um sprung to mind in Nightmare on Elm Street and do you know with the bit where oh, Johnny yeah. Depp gets sucked yeah. into the bed and all the blood comes out that's the room upside down and they're just pouring oh, is blood it? in I didn't know that oh so he's out. actually on the floor yeah. oh no on the seat what well no it's once he's been sucked in so he gets pulled yeah. into his bed and then the next scene is the bed squirts oh, right. blood out it. they've cut it, it and in. the room's upside down they're just wow. pouring blood in one guy you always have to mention is David Cronenberg and obviously the fly is another like the Gross yeah, transformation, and then there's one called Videodrome where he puts his hand into a TV and stuff. I don't know if you've ever seen footage or not. Alan mentioned Wizard of Oz, didn't he? And you mentioned King Kong. There's the Invisible Man's pretty impressive because that was all practical effects, and it actually looks like there's an invisible fella going yeah. around in a top hat. <laughs> it's weird. It's mad yeah. how they did that. I didn't even look into how they did it, but apparently it is all practical. How did they do the hand in Adam's family? I don't as know. Well? Maybe yes, maybe they did That's use green screens back then, but I'm not sure actually. One of the worst examples of practical effects I can think of is at the end of uh, Nightmare oh, on Elm Street when that door, person yeah, sucks through <laughs> that is key Carl, I'm going to do it. I'm going to mention him in James Bond uh, in Live and Let Die. Oh, I can't remember what, what the villain's name is now but to stop him, James Bond puts like this uh, I don't even know what it is, like a gas canister in his mouth and he like explodes. 
Yeah, the a bit shark, like Jaws. He not, flies not up the into the roof and just bursts. <laughs> yeah. yeah. God. God. I don't, I don't um, think I've seen that. Yeah. And that's one of the worst sort of examples of practical yeah. effects I can think of. Fair enough. Well, that's, mm. that's all the honourable mentions I've got. I don't know what we're going to be talking about next week. But yeah. Something to do with Old Boy, I guess. Um, Revenge old films, boy, yeah. maybe. I don't know. Uh, possibly, yeah. Yeah, that's a good one. I haven't. We'll have to watch it, decide. We'll have to watch Fair it, we'll decide in the week. Cool. All right, then. He was nice. all animat- animatronics, wasn't he? And, and he uh, oh, wasn't he, wasn't he played by a little amputee woman who now legs? He was voiced by a little woman. Oh, uh, maybe he mm, smoked a no, lot. It must have legs, surely. No, it, it wasn't a person in there. There was a little person in ET. Was there? Yeah, a little woman. I thought it was. <laughs> I thought it was just a little robot. ET woman actor. Oh, maybe not. Maybe That's not. the voice. <laughs> ET. You're thinking of E.T. when it's got the wig on. And you're thinking of a little woman that looks like that. Oh, I'm confused. Pretty sure E.T. was just a robot. Who am I thinking of then? You're thinking of R2-D2 with Kenny Baker oh, inside. There's a little woman. Yeah. Hang on. I've got Kenny Baker's all I've got to get to the... I've got, I got uh, Paul Blake, he plays Greedos. He's dead now, so... Well, both of them so are. So probably, Kenny Baker. Probably yeah. sell them. Yeah. Don't know about... Um, sell them together. Go off. Yeah. Oh no, right, okay. I swear there was a little woman in E.T. Have I dreamt that? You are, you're thinking of him in drag. <laughs> I'm not, I'm thinking of... I watched a docu... I swear I watched a video where they were interviewing a little woman that was inside E.T. I think she I... voiced him, but I don't think she was in him. <laughs> what? <laughs> oh, I don't know. I'll leave it. <laughs>